Having a base in another combat sports discipline is how most fighters have transitioned into mixed martial arts. Wrestling, jiu-jitsu, boxing, kickboxing, all solid foundations for MMA. But they don't always equal success in MMA. Even if you're an elite talent in your base, there are always skills you may not have that could be a real detriment in mixed martial arts. Paper always beats rock, but you never know when your scissors won't work. So today, we're going to take a look at top-tier athletes from other martial arts disciplines who came into MMA only to get absolutely wrecked. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are 10 world-class combat sports athletes who got destroyed in MMA. Number 10, Wei Rui. Our first entry has the coolest nickname on the list and possibly ever, Demon Blade. Yep, that's awesome. It unfortunately didn't help him fare better in MMA, though. Wei Rui is the first ever Chinese K1 world champion. He would win the lightweight title in 2017. At 64-3 as a kickboxer with 25 KOs, Rui was the Combat Press 2020 Fighter of the Year. He's currently ranked number two at featherweight in the world, number six at super bantamweight, and number eight pound for pound. He's not even 30 yet. Demon Blade is going to be a problem for a while. In 20. 2018 at Glory of Heroes 36, Wei tried his first and only mixed martial arts bout against Abit Nazishov. Who is this mysterious man? I have no idea. Almost anything written about him on the internet pertains to this single fight with Rui. I do know one thing though, he has some grappling skills and they ended up being a problem for Demon Blade. After getting taken down and mounted, Wei did what he could to protect himself but unfortunately gave up his back and would be subbed with a rear naked choke at 3 minutes 41 seconds of the very first round. 2018 was also the last time he lost a kickboxing about probably not his favorite year. Number 9. Alessandri Dantas Multiple-time Brazilian national, Pan-American, and world champion jiu-jitsu practitioner Alessandri Dantas is known by the nickname Cafe, meaning coffee, because they used to call him Latte when he first started training since he was so easy to handle. Then as he got better, they changed it to coffee. It's a pretty fantastic nickname, not quite Demon Blade, but his pedigree is impressive as hell as well. He was a force in the late 90s and early 2000s and holds wins over guys like Damian Maia, Fabricio Verdum, and Marcelo Garcia. But as it pertains to MMA, probably could have switched his name back to Latte. All jokes aside, he was given a pretty tough debut. His first fight would be at UFC 27 against Yuki Kondo when he was the number one guy in Pancrase. Off his win over Dantes, he would earn a title shot against Tito Ortiz. Cafe was doing a decent job in the first two rounds of trying to implement his ground game, but in the third, the first clean shot he took changed the entire fight. He never recovered and would eventually be TKO'd. Alessandri would give MMA a try again three years later, this time against the gigantic Gan McGee at UFC 41. The fight was all Dantes failing for takedowns before eventually giving up and jumping in on a leg lock, the only problem being McGee's arms are nine feet long, so he just beat the hell out of him from that position until the referee called the fight. Cafe would try one last time 13 years later at a Brazilian regional show, but would lose that bout as well. Number 8. Alexei Ignashov Given his substantial size and pedigree, there was considerable interest in the idea of Alexei Ignashov making a run in mixed martial arts, but he would turn out to be a disappointing crossover athlete. The Belarusian was a four-time Muay Thai world champion, he'd won the K1 World GP 2003 in Paris and the World GP 2001 in Nagoya, twice an ISKA World Heavyweight Champion, he had wins over Semi Schilt and Badahari, he absolutely had the skills to make a serious impact in MMA, but after three bouts and two years, he'd seen enough of that mixed martial arts shit. His first fight went just fine, to be honest, he scored a 
third round KO over Shinsuke Nakamura. Yes, that's Shinsuke Nakamura at K1 Premium 2003 Dynamite. But Nakamura would protest the stoppage, saying he was totally fine, bro. And so Ignashov's first win would be turned into a no contest. He'd rebound by KOing Dr. Death Steve Williams in just 22 seconds. Yes, that Dr. Death Steve Williams, before rematching with Shinsuke at K1 MMA Romanex. This time, the kickboxing standout would be submitted by the pro wrestler with a forearm choke, and neither man would ever compete in MMA again. Sometimes you just gotta know when to walk away. Number 7. Istvan Meyer-Roche you can count the number of Olympic gold medal winners who have competed in mixed martial arts without taking your shoes off, and without question the least successful was Istvan Meyerosch of Hungary. He won the gold medal in the 2004 Olympics in Athens for Greco-Roman wrestling at 55 kilograms. A year later at the World Championships, he would earn a bronze. The guy was an absolute stud any way you cut it when it came to the mat, but he had a very short-lived and ill-fated MMA run. Meyerosch would compete in the 2006 New Year's Eve K1 Dynamite show against Kid Yamamoto. I swear these New Year's Eve show promoters, they just love horrible mismatches. People like them, let's make some more of them. Sure, an Olympic pedigree is impressive, but Yamamoto was at the peak of his career. He'd won 14 of his last 15, was the 2005 Heroes Middleweight Grand Prix winner, had victories over Hoyler Gracie, Kao Uno, and Genki Sudo. MMA Fighting named him the 2005 Featherweight of the Year. He was on his way to the UFC. So yeah, perfect opponent for Istvan, who had literally no MMA experience whatsoever. The fight was a series of missed takedowns, essentially, and very awkward stand-up, until eventually late in the first, after a few heavy blows, the wrestler would just go down to the canvas and wait for the referee to save him from Yamamoto. Not exactly the most memorable gold medal MMA run we've ever seen. Number 6. Caesar Gracie when your Brazilian jiu-jitsu lineage only has three names before it gets to you, you can pretty much guarantee that you're world-class. Cesar Gracie is, of course, most well-known for his California-based gym and team, but he became a black belt in the 1990s under his uncle Hobson Gracie, and while there isn't a ton of background on his competitive record, no ADCC, no IBJJF, he was billed as having competed in 250 grappling matches, take that for what it's worth, and it was said that he'd occasionally competed in no-holds-barred events that were unsanctioned. Strictly closed doors, you know, Gracie stuff. Regardless of his actual record. His understanding of the ground game was about as good as anyone's in the world, but it was a questionable decision to try MMA for the first and only time at 40 years old against Frank Shamrock. The fight would headline the very first Strikeforce card, the old Gracie vs. Shamrock family feud entering another chapter. Frank hadn't fought in three years, but came back just for this. The two had bad blood and had been wanting to get a fight together for a few years. Things boiled over pretty quickly. Gracie would never shoot for a takedown or even attempt much of anything but a few jabs before getting clipped with a big right hand in the first 20 seconds, forcing the ref to step in. At a point to the Shamrock side of the feud. Nick Diaz would avenge his coach two years later, though. Number 5. Ricardo Mayorga Take the Diaz brothers, Mike Perry, Donald Cerrone, Conor McGregor, and Tank Abbott, mix them all together, and you have boxing's Ricardo Mayorga. The former two-weight world champion was a wild card in the ring and outside of it, and during his prime held the WBA Super, WBC, Ring Magazine, and Lineal Welterweight titles in 2003. He was the WBC Super Welterweight champion in 2005. His entertaining and aggressive style saw him take on some of the biggest names of his generation as well. Shane Mosley, Miguel Cotto, Oscar De La Hoya, and Felix Trinidad. Always interesting interested in MMA, he had about scheduled with Dean Thomas in 2010, but literally hours before the show, Don King got the fight shut down as he was still under contract. Following his retirement, though, in 2013, he finally got his chance to try MMA, and it was a rough year. He would fight four times, winning his first fight, but then having it overturned when it was determined the knee to the spine he used to finish the fight was illegal. Next, he would get caught in a guillotine in the first round at World Series of Fighting 1 Central America. That fall, he would lose a close split decision to Sergio Ortiz. They would rematch two months later, and Mayorga would lose via second round armbar. He went back to boxing that next year and fought Shane Mosley a second time. Number 4. Minoru Kimura 
The legendary video of Crazy Horse Charles Bennett being put to sleep backstage at Pride Shockwave 2005 and then allegedly popping up and KOing Vanderlei Silva has all but been confirmed at this point by the axe murderer himself. Why am I talking about that right now? It'll make sense in just a moment. See, this entry is about Minoru Kimura, who is a Brazilian kickboxing protege of Vanderlei Silva. He comes out to Sandstorm, he does the hand thing, Vandy loves him, and the kid's a stud. He's currently the K1 Super Welterweight Champion. He won a one-night tournament against three opponents to get there. He has 28 KOs in his 36 pro wins. If he started calling himself the Axe Murderer as well, it wouldn't be too far off. The geniuses at Ryzen, knowing the history of Vandy and Crazy Horse, paired Bennett up with Kimura in his first and only MMA bout at Ryzen 2 in 2016. Charles came out with a shirt dissing Vanderlei. Kimura was greeted at the ring by Silva. What a fun idea. Now, you would assume that this up-and-coming stud in his mid-20s would absolutely crush Bennett, but you already know the title of this list, and wow, this is a spectacular entry. Right at the start of the fight, while trying to time up a flying knee, Mitaru gets blasted with a right hand in midair and put away. The official time is seven seconds. As Jim Ross would say, God. Bennett celebrated like he won the Super Bowl, called out Silva, they got into a backstage. I love mixed martial arts. Number three, Gokin Saki. After two years away from the kickboxing scene, massive hype came with the announcement that the legendary Gokin Saki had signed a multi-fight deal with the UFC. Last we'd heard from Saki, he was the first ever Glory Light Heavyweight Champion, and over the course of his 81 wins with 58 KO TKOs, he'd won or placed in multiple K1 tournaments, beaten some of the top names in the sport, and had a World Muay Thai Championship under his belt. He was a certified bad motherfucker, assumed to have some of the highest level striking in the UFC's light heavyweight division upon entering. He would make his debut against Henrique Da Silva at Fight Night 117, and get a first-round KO that would earn him a performance bonus. Welcome to the UFC! When can you fight John Jones? Not so fast. He would next compete nearly a year later due to a knee injury, this time taking on Khalil Roundtree at UFC 226 to kick off the pay-per-view. In a stunning turn, less than two minutes in, Saki would get dropped with a big left hand and then finished on the ground where he looked like a literal fish out of water. Gokin would be scheduled for another fight in 2019, but injuries would keep him away from the cage until his eventual release earlier this year. It appears he'll be making his return to kickboxing sooner than later, probably for the best. Number 2. James Tony. Back when Conor McGregor was still fighting on the regional scene in Ireland, the original Maymac went down, albeit with a lot less press conferences and money on the line. Probably because it was James Tony who decided to make the jump over to MMA against an aging Randy Couture. Now don't get me wrong, Tony was world class in his prime. He was the IBF and lineal middleweight champion for two years, won the IBF super middleweight and cruiserweight titles, and twice competed for heavyweight championships. Those days were long gone though, and seemingly on a whim after attending a UFC show, he decided to give this MMA thing a go against Randy at UFC 118. Everyone knew if he hit Captain America clean, his head would have been in the third row. The problem ended up being that whole MMA thing. Tony did put a legitimate effort forward in training for other aspects of the sport leading up to the bout, but of course no single training camp would have him ready for the Olympic-level wrestling of Couture. Tony would be ankle-picked almost immediately and struggle from his back until he was mercifully finished with an arm triangle. A second contracted bout never occurred after the humiliation. He would go back to boxing and compete off and on for another seven years before retiring. Laughed off as a free show at the time, if only we would have known, a similar combination would be the second biggest boxing event ever less than a decade later. Number 1. Marcelo Garcia 
It's one thing to try MMA and be out of your element. It's another entirely to have someone in seemingly the best possible position for your particular skill set and still come up short. Marcelo Garcia is possibly the greatest submission grappler that has ever existed. The man is a living legend. Four ADCC golds, five IBJJF Black Belt World Championships. At the height of his powers, when he was absolutely tearing it up on the mats, Garcia participated in an MMA bout for Heroes in 2007 in Seoul, South Korea. His opponent would be Kim Daewon. Kim's career up to this point in MMA wasn't particularly notable. He had a record of 10-4 and four with no big-name wins. Early in the first, Marcelo would score a takedown and get the mount. Welcome to fucked town, Kim Daewon. After some attempts at striking from the position, Garcia ended up taking his opponent's back. Rear naked choke, here we come, right? No. Daewon would hold off Garcia until the final moments of the round and even escape the position. How? How did Marcelo Garcia, the submission king, have Kim's back for nearly the entire round? and not come up with a sub. At the start of the second, Garcia would be blasted with a few big shots that opened up a cut and put a stop to the fight. Marcelo would never compete in MMA again. He opened up his first gym that next year. A big ol' shout out to my dude Luke Taylor for editing this video together. You can find him and his awesome digital art on Twitter at CoolToMe underscore. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben in Rosette. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.